Big day in the NBA today as the Indiana Pacers have traded for Pascal Siakam, sending three first-round picks to the Toronto Raptors. Why am I bringing that up? Because three first-rounders, that's the number that I threw at the Locked on Nets podcast in a hypothetical Mikhail Bridges deal. On today's Locked on Kings podcast, Adam Armbrecht from Locked on Nets joins me. We discuss the possibility around this deal. Who holds the power in Kings and Nets conversations and why this deal does or doesn't make sense for both sides. It's all right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC Ten News. Man, it's about time we had ourselves a blockbuster. Now, unfortunately. It does not involve the Sacramento Kings. It involves the Indiana Pacers and Toronto Raptors, but a player that the Kings were directly connected with in Pascal Siakam. Now, negotiations and and conversations between both teams, the Kings and the Raptors, broke down when uh, it was reported that Siakam wasn't too keen on the idea of re-signing with the Sacramento Kings. The Kings ultimately made, I think, the correct decision in saying that risking three first-round picks for a player that is essentially a rental, who is an expiring deal, who could up and leave in the summer, it's not worth that kind of risk. But it seems like a good risk for the Indiana Pacers. Now, to be clear, the Kings play the Pacers tomorrow, which is uh, Thursday here inside of Sacramento. Pascal Siakam, as far as I understand and know and how the, the physicals and everything works, like he will not be ready to go for the Pacers in that game quite yet. So even though the Kings are playing the Pacers coming up next, they won't quite look as new as they will be in uh, in a handful of days with this Siakam deal. That being said, the Pacers are unfortunately also missing Tyrese Halliburton with an injury. But I'm excited for the Pacers going forward. I love that deal for them. But this is not the Locked On Pacers podcast. This is Locked On Kings. And it's perfect that this trade went down today because over the last week and some change, I've been having conversations privately with Adam Armbrecht from the Locked On Nets podcast about what a Kings and Nets deal involving Mikhail Bridges could look like. And I love that the Kings were not willing to send three first round picks, or at least we can assume it hasn't been reported, but if the, if the price was three first round picks for Pascal Siakam, it makes sense that the Kings said no for that because of his contract situation, but three first round picks for Bridges who fills a more direct position of need addresses the wing depth issue for Sacramento, who is, on the same age timeline as the Sacramento Kings core and who is under contract for the next couple of years. Yeah, that might be worth the risk. Risk involving that much future capital is something we're going to talk a lot about on today's show. We have the framework of a deal uh, that is set and uh, 
we will discuss whether or not we think this deal would go through, why either side would be hesitant, and if three first-round picks, honestly, is enough to convince the Nets to move on from Bridges, who is the main piece that they got back other than draft capital in the Kevin Durant trade. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know you're going to want to share your thoughts on this deal that we put out there and if Bridges is the right target for Sacramento to, to risk their future for. Get loose in the comment section on YouTube. Nets fans, I'm sure you're in here too. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this deal. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can do so at MattGeorgeSack uh, and you can email me MattGeorgeSportsGmail.com uh, if you'd like to as well. But for now, here is my conversation with Locked On Nets host, Adam Armbrecht. We're getting closer and closer to the NBA trade deadline. There are smoke screens and conversations happening around the association. So we thought, hey, why not here on the Locked on Kings and Locked on Nets podcast, create a little smoke of our own. Now, to be perfectly clear, this is we're not reporting that conversations are happening between the Kings and the Nets, certainly not conversations involving Mikhail Bridges. However, from the Sacramento Kings perspective here on Locked on Kings, I think it would be in the Kings' best interest to pick up the phone to call the Nets and see if Bridges is available and what the Sacramento Kings could put on the table to entice the Nets to move on uh, from that star wing. Here on this Locked, over, uh, locked on podcast crossover episode we'll get the locked on kings and locked on nets perspective matt george from locked on kings adam armbrecht from locked on nets to kind of discuss where these teams are at and if a deal like this could actually take place adam it's good to see you my friend good to talk to you first and foremost let's focus on the nets perspective their approach to this trade deadline are they buyers are they sellers and do they even humor an idea of moving on from bridges yeah, this is the hard part about doing not only wanting to get into the deadline discussions and the trade speculations, right? You crank up the old machines and, and you see where assets and money and stars and pieces kind of fit together. But at a high level for Brooklyn right now in this moment, and we're, we're recording this ahead of the Portland Trailblazers game. So who knows? Maybe the Nets win that one. And all of a sudden it's the arrow pointing so hard up they couldn't possibly consider it. But they've lost a lot of basketball lately, right? They have three wins over their last 16 games. They have 11 more, including the Portland game, before the deadline. There's a world when you look at their schedule, they go 2-9 and nine over the mm. course of those 11 games. So if you're a 5-22 and 22 team over the last 27 games, you have to have a real conversation about where you're at. Right now, you're hearing rumblings that the Nets could be in on DeJounte Murray from the Atlanta Hawks. Are they going to spend one, two, three first-round picks or other assets to go get a player? that in theory helps you create a stronger core and base, but doesn't necessarily change the needle. Again, if you're, if you're losing this much, you have to at least be open to discussion. So while at this moment, they're not, I think, exploring Mikhail Bridges trade offers, there's a world where 11 games from now, they definitely should be. And that's where we get to this spot. When I think I look at the nets, I look at where they are over the next couple of seasons and you have to explore three more first round draft picks, four more, seven more, as the Kings are going to be willing to give us for them. You have to look at these packages and consider the ability to improve your team in the long term and maybe have a reality check. In the short term, where are we, right? They are clinging to the back end and trying to fight for a playing game spot in the Eastern Conference. That That's not a needle mover for you. So that, that's where these wheels start turning for me, at least in these next, what, week and a half to two weeks before we head towards that deadline in February. 
Yeah, these conversations on Locked On are the closest that we're going to come to to acting as general managers here for our organization. And I think the way that our conversation started is very much the way that that a conversation like this would go, which is the Kings side calling the Nets side and, and kind of laying it all out there and saying, hey, we're willing to make a big swing. We're willing to put a lot of assets on the table in order to get bridges Let's talk about if that's realistic or not. Let's talk about if you're if you're interested in that or not, because the Kings are firmly in the buyer picture. But Adam, where I think the Sacramento Kings are trying to figure out what route they should take as a buyer is, do you make a big purchase, right? Go out and get that that shiny new car to add to your core of Fox and and, and Keegan Murray and DeMontis Sabonis and, and hopefully Malik Monk, assuming they're able to re-sign him this offseason. Do you add a star like Bridges to that and expect that to bring you into that contendership window that you want to get at and keep up with the other young teams in the West, like the Oklahoma City Thunder and uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, for example? Or do you go more of the still trust in that core three or core four that you have and, and make some moves on the, the fringe assets around them, improve your other starting positions, improve your rotation. That's where the Kings are at. It's a really weird crossroads to where I think Sacramento is going to ultimately have to make a decision, but that decision on which route they go might be dictated by the market and dictated by which teams are willing to make moves. I think like if the, if the Nets and Kings agreed, quote unquote, agreed to a deal that would send Bridges to Sacramento. That almost makes the decision for the Kings, right? If Bridges is there, you you kind of have to go get him. And I wonder if too, and it's for, from a Kings perspective, and we'll talk kind of about fit and obviously the, the details of, of what a deal like this would look like. But the interesting thing to me, it's like, as your fan base knows, when you see the Kings sitting there in the seventh seed, but only a couple wins away from being in the sixth, the fifth, right? Pushing towards the upper half of the, of the Western Conference. I think the question opens up to, well, well, what's the ceiling here, right? What does a move like this mean for our organization in the short term? Can we entrench ourselves over the next couple of years as being an upper half Western Conference team? That means something. And, and there's different there's different value to accomplishments for different organizations. The Brooklyn Nets right now, it, it, that's their debate, is making the playoffs. They're, they're one of the teams that has the longest standing record of making consecutive playoffs. Now, they don't accomplish anything when they get there, but there's like this symbolic accomplishment of doing that. You know you're not winning a championship, and that is the, is putting McHale on the table worth it? The other part, I think, from a Nets perspective, too, is, which we won't get into because it doesn't impact the Kings, but if the Nets picked up the phone from the Kings and started to have these discussions, well, then Cameron Johnson becomes a discussion, right? Obviously, Dorian Finney-Smith, obviously, Royce O'Neal, maybe even Nicholas Claxton because he's young, expiring deal, isn't a part of this core going forward. All of the sudden, from an organizational standpoint, you go, well, we can add something here for McHale. We can add a little bit more from Cameron Johnson, and we kind of go into that Oklahoma City mode, right? Mm -hmm. Wow, we have 60 picks over the next five <laughs> to seven years. And hopefully some things hit. Hopefully stars become available and we can reform this thing. They're, they're difficult decisions to make because I think when you're staring into the abyss of obscurity and being the Detroit Pistons of the world, that's not a place you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not as easy as being bad, drafting, and all of a sudden you have young talent and you're good. The combinations matter. The coaching matters. So that, that's where I think the Nets struggle as an organization to say we came out of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Harden era, superstars. It didn't work. Let's just be really bad. And as we know, they gave up the picks to Houston. They don't have control over their short-term assets either. And that's always been the biggest roadblock for them to just go into full tank mode. 
Well, you said something there that I'm I want to hit on. You you talked about what matters, what doesn't matter, and then you brought up Kevin Durant's name. How much does Kevin Durant matter in this conversation too? Even if it's optics, right? If like if you do move bridges, the Nets move bridges in any kind of deal, whether it's to the Kings or anybody, I, you have to believe the optics of essentially the the, the Nets traded Kevin Durant for this is mm -hmm. that's going to play a part. Do you think the Nets should care about that or should it just be about like taking what's in front of you and making the best organization for yourselves in the moment? Kevin Durant and Phoenix kind of be damned. Well, and that, that's the big thing that's changed, at least for me, has changed a little bit. Perceptually, when you when you make that trade for Kevin Durant, you get Mikhail Bridges, you get Cameron Johnson, and then the Nets re-up with Cameron Johnson. Now, the contract actually has a lot of incentives in it. The numbers are pretty good. But now in this season, what crystallized from 27 games last year after the trade for Mikhail Bridges, where we thought, okay, there may be a whole nother level that he's going to go to. It turns out he's pretty much settling into a similar space that he was even when he was in Phoenix. He's playing more minutes. You're getting more production out of him, but he's basically an elite second tier guy. Cameron Johnson, rotation player. So he's actually come down a notch here. So I think the fact that those guys from a production standpoint, from a narrative around where their games were going to go has actually settled in a little bit. You can think one of two things. Well, they weren't as high value as, as we thought they were at the time of the trade. Still got a ton of picks, but then secondarily, maybe we don't need to hold on to these guys as being the face of the Kevin Durant trade, which was really important in the moment. But every step you get further away, I think it softens that blow a little bit, especially when you think about a team that is 16-23 right now with those guys at their core. A major roadblock that I think the Kings are facing right now in their major like big swing trade conversations is that every single team is going to be asking, and rightfully so, so should be asking about Keegan Murray. That's where I think the conversation stops for the Sacramento Kings a lot, whether they should or should not hold as firm to Keegan as, as they seem to be. That's up for debate. But Adam, in our hypothetical conversation, we were able to get past that, and we'll explain why and, and get to the actual trade that we thought or, or that we discussed and we put together in, in the next segment. But do you think that's how this conversation would also go from a Nets perspective is, yeah, make Keegan Murray available? And do you, if in real life, in the real world, do you think that could potentially be the 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 part of this trade that where conversation falls apart, essentially? Yeah. First thing that Sean Marks and the Nets are going to do is say, hey, what's your best youngest asset? We want him, right? That's where we start. And then we start talking about your picks. And then we start, start talking about matching salaries and maybe getting extra value off of certain guys, right? Of course, that, that's going to be where it starts. And I think the only way that it gets to the place where, and it doesn't mean it's unrealistic in this hypothetical, where you're willing to talk about other things and other players and other assets is if the Nets open up this door that we are fielding offers on Mikhail Bridges and the general consensus around the league is we're willing to give draft capital, but not necessarily young talent, right? If it's even across the trade landscape, then it's just about best package that makes the most sense. And maybe the Kings can be the team that comes out on top there. And there's reasons why we'll get into that it is favorable for them. But, but that's that's the core of it. Nets want to have young players. They have Cam Thomas right now. They have Nicholas Claxton on expiring. We like the development of Dayron Sharp. Th there's not a lot of clear cut who is here over the next two, three, and four seasons. So they want to have more young players that can represent a core going forward. Can they get past that? Can they, can they look at Murray and say, oh my goodness, but no thank you, we're okay, we'll take other stuff? That's the big debate we'll get into. Well, coming up next, I will lay out uh, the, the the trade that we discussed and we'll discuss kind of both sides if this trade would be likely or unlikely to be accepted and why it intrigues 
both the Locked On Kings and Locked On Nets perspective. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Welcome back into this crossover episode of Locked on Kings and Locked on Nets discussing a potential Kings and Nets trade involving Mikhail Bridges. Again, for perspective and for you Nets fans out there, this is not a situation where Adam came to Locked on Kings and said, Mikhail is available. This is the Sacramento Kings coming to the Nets and going, we want this man. Let's try and make this deal work. So, Adam, we discussed uh, different options. We did involve Keegan Murray at one point. I am also taking the perspective of the Kings, which is that Keegan Murray is off the table. He's not available unless there's that absolute can't-turn-it-down move out there, which doesn't exist. We're talking involving like the Tatums and Giannis's and guys of the world. Just not happening. So there's no reason to even consider that. But the move that we laid out there, I'll just, I'll just put it out there, uh, and and then we'll discuss it. Was the Kings getting bridges and bridges alone for a package that the Nets would receive in, involving Kevin Herter, Colby Jones, and then three first round picks: 2026, 2028, and 2030. So that is kind of the framework or the foundation of the deal that we discussed. Why do you think this would get any sort of consideration or at least for you, why does this get consideration from the Nets? Yeah. At a minimum, again, if the Brooklyn Nets are going to keep losing, right. If they're going to be a 15 and 30 team, as they approach the trade deadline, you have to have an open discussion about where the best value is for these players. Now, Mikhail Bridges is under contract for multiple seasons. The contract is nice, so they could always make this decision down the road. But let's say that the, the time to strike is now, right? We, we did, as you said, iterations where you asked for Lonnie Walker to be included. And I said, well, it's an expiring deal, but, but he could be a guy the Nets want to keep around. He's in the right age range, underneath 26 years old, right? Has upside, outside shooter, has shown kind of an expansion to his game in opportunities with Brooklyn. So we, we pushed back on that. Of course, I said, give me Murray. You said, no, thank you. The, the version of this that at least opens my eyes up, honestly, without including Murray, the most important thing about this is the draft picks. The Kings, while this is going to hurt the fans to hear, the Kings are one of the more, I'll say, volatile organizations when it comes to long-term future. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, when you make that trade with Kevin Durant to Phoenix, and hey, that, that looks a little bit shaky here, but you go forward and you say, hey, they're older, they may have to strip it down, we want value picks later on. The Kings right now, while they are sitting there in the seventh seed in the Western Conference, where are they two years from now, right? Sabonis, how is he aging over the life of his contract? Where is the young core going to be coming in behind Fox, and how are you going to develop sustainability? That, to me, is at least intriguing enough to have the discussion. Picks 28 and then 30? 
we might be talking about lottery. Like we, we don't know the state of the Kings. And I obviously you guys know on your side of it, that that is probably, that's the fear. That's the underlying fear about moves like this. Should it be an all in moment for the Kings for a player like Mikhail? You hit the nail on the absolute head, Adam. And, and it, you, it's it. what I like about what you just said is that you understand, just like the Nets are going to understand the hesitation from the Kings side. And maybe they'll try and use that to their advantage or not. And that's where, that's a conversation, a debate happening, at least amongst Sacramento Kings fans and probably amongst that front office is what caliber of player are we willing to essentially punt our future or take that big of a risk for versus which players that that's just not good enough or, or it's just not worth that kind of risk for an organization like the Sacramento Kings, who is, is like new money, right? We, we just are back here in a position where, <laughs> Hey, we're finally in the playoffs. We're good. We're relevant again. This is exciting. Like, do you want to go and spend all that, that future capital right away? Do you want to put that much on the line when for 20 years or almost 20 years, the draft was, basically what you hung your hats on and was your only hope for such a long period of time. I think it's a legitimate hesitation here in Sacramento, but at least from a lot of Kings fan perspectives, they feel that Bridges and what he could do, how he could transform and open, not just a Kings contendership window as early as this season, but could fit the timeline of Sabonis and Fox and that mm -hmm. young core that are young, I should say, in their prime core now that they have here in Sacramento. I think a lot of people say, you know what? That's worth it. You understand Bridges. You know how he plays. You know kind of the, the person and the, the piece that he is. What do you think about the Kings taking that risk if you think that he would be the right guy for that three first round plus uh, pick move? Yeah, sure. And, and if you believe, so I, one of the first questions is, where do you rank Fox? Is he a top 25 guy, top 30 guy? Like, where do you, where do you view him in the NBA hierarchy of, of superstar level towns? Where do you put him? I think, I think he's in the top 10, top 15 plot, yeah. probably players in the league. Right. So, I, you know, and I, and I lowball you to give you the opportunity to pump your guy up there. And, but that's but that's a part of the core question here, because that's what, in theory, the Nets would be holding on to Mikhail Bridges for is to go get a top 15 kind of guy, put the superstar mm. ahead of him, which affords Mikhail Bridges to do the things you saw in Phoenix and at a higher level, let him lock in more defensively, take on some of those assignments and not have to be the primary. Right. Right now, that's what the struggle is for Mikhail Bridges with Brooklyn. He's not great on the ball. He's not an ISO kind of player, does an excellent job in the mid range. He obviously can knock down the perimeter shot. So if you believe that you have in place right now a top 15 NBA talent, and then you also have Sabonis and some other pieces, then yeah, Mikhail is the needle mover. And as you said, if you believe this is the championship contention move, 100% you want, then you should go make this move. There's nothing about it that should stop you and you should be excited to do it. Because at a minimum, I would say you entrench yourself as being in that conversation for the life of Mikhail Bridges' contract, Sabonis, Fox, et cetera, right? And, and that matters. Right now, neither of these organizations, I would say, for different reasons and at different levels, clearly, are in championship window is open right now mode mm -hmm. adding a player to the kings does that adding three players to brooklyn maybe does that right mm -hmm. but there's different aspects to it so that that's where i think it's worth it from a king's perspective and as we we can talk about some of the finer details the herder of it from a brooklyn perspective but yes the the quality of the player that mikhail bridges is if you believe you are that one elevator piece away then yeah 100 percent the king should make that move but it, it's about your perception of where they are 
and their ability to compete for a championship. I think you have to weigh that if you're giving up three first round picks and basically saying this is the team for the next two, three, four seasons. Here's where I think this conversation might go, Adam. I, I think it might become, and, and there's a very big risk from the Sacramento Kings to become bitters against themselves. So a, a two-part question here is one, do you think there are like, do you think it makes sense for a lot of teams to be calling about bridges this season, number one? So the Kings might have some competition to be trying to compete with or put a better package out there than what the Nets could get elsewhere, number one. And number two is like how willing should the Sacramento Kings be? Because there might be a scenario where the Kings go, okay, yeah, three first-rounders, Kevin Herter and Colby Jones. And the Nets like, oh, you know, we really like, okay, four first-round. Okay, yeah, what five. Like yeah, the Kings get, right. <laughs> they just keep screaming and throwing picks at you until you say yes. I, I wonder if that's like a, a realistic scenario that the Kings might go too far because of their desire to get a player like Bridges. Yeah, so from a Nets perspective, again, the option to move Mikhail Bridges next year is always there. Now, now we know, right, the, the prime of a player's career is 26, 27 to 29 when you hit 30. This is something that, that Doug Norrie loves to kind of remind fans about. 30 and 31 is not the prime anymore. You can still be a very good, really good player at that point, but you're starting to enter the back end. So there is that option for the Nets. To your point about now, you look around the Western Conference, just teams with draft capital. It's interesting, right? There's not some of the key players like Dallas doesn't have can't make a move like that. LA, if they're still desperate, the, the Lakers can't make a move like that. So you might have a, a more limited market in terms of teams willing to go in on it. Ironically, a team we talked about with Lori Markinen in the Jazz, you go, maybe the Nets would put assets in to go get him. Well, now they're actually decent. Like maybe they're a team that wants to continue to be competitive. So the market might not be robust. However, perceptually, and you kind of touched on it there. Once the Kings signal that we're talking with the Nets, Mikhail Bridges is on the table. Mm. At some point, you've sold it now. You've now mm. sold the fan base that you're ready to go all in on a player. And, it, and then you get to the place where you go, well, and they said they wanted X, another player thrown in, right? They said they wanted an extra pick. Well, does it really matter if we believe we're going to keep our championship? Who cares about picks? And, and that would be excellent for the Brooklyn Nets. Remember, they got four first-round pick offer from Memphis to, a year ago at the deadline. They refused that in the moment. The big mm -hmm. trade, Kevin Durant, everything we talked about. But yeah, I think <laughs> if it's just you and the Nets at the table, the Nets keep saying more, a little more, a little more. And, and when are you going to push back and say, oh, no, we couldn't possibly do it, right? So there is probably a real power there for the Brooklyn Nets if these calls started to happen, where they just say, we don't need to make the move. So you convince us that we should make this move. That is the word right there, power. And that's the word that I want to get into and, and, and discuss a little bit more here in our final segment is, it, it, I agree with you. I think the Nets do hold the power in this situation. Should that be enough for the Sacramento Kings to look elsewhere or should they be willing to kind of play a dangerous game with another team that does hold the power and does hold the keys, even though the Kings are in the better situation out of the two teams? We'll discuss that here coming up before we wrap up the show. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is the route that you need to take. Now, some of you might hear that therapy word and, and react to it like it's taboo. Hey, that used to be me, right? Before I started going and seeing a therapist uh, back during COVID, and I continue to see him today, and I swear therapy is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. But before then, I was like, I don't, I don't need to see therapy. My problems aren't 
aren't big enough for therapy or, or I don't need to like, we all think about like lying down on one of those couches with our feet up, staring at the ceiling while, while a complete stranger with a notepad asks you personal questions about your life. And you just sit there and talk and it's awkward and uncomfortable and you feel crazy. That's not what therapy is, right? That might be a version that you see on movies and TV shows for comedy purposes or for dramatic purposes. That's not what it is. It's sitting down and talking with a licensed professional who helps you deal with unpack and, and, and navigate the struggles in life that we all face, right? We're all carrying weight. Mental health is so important this year. Mental health is so important in 2024, and I hope it only continues to get more and more important. And you need to take care of yourself mentally the same way you take care of yourself physically by going to the gym or eating right or going and seeing a doctor. Mental health is should be and, and is in that same boat. So if you're thinking about giving therapy a try, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made in 2024 by visiting betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Locked On NBA. Locked On Kings is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is over. We're in the thick of the playoffs. And of course, we're now in the, the, uh, the trenches of the NBA regular season. There's still plenty of time to get in on the action at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So put $5 down on the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Packers this weekend. Put $5 down on the Kings to beat the Indiana Pacers tomorrow night. You win, great. You're already in the money. If you lose, it doesn't matter because you're getting $150 in bonus bets for you to make that money back and then some. Oh, and by the way, if you win, you're in the money and you get the $150 worth of bonus bets. So you can keep playing on FanDuel with live same game parlays. You can find bets in their new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in their Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays around the, the, the world and around the league and more. So many different fun and unique ways to play at FanDuel.com. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So we have a framework of a deal on the table. Three first-round picks, Kevin Herter, Colby Jones. I'm ready right now from the Sacramento Kings perspective to say, roll the dice, let's do it. Adam, you just said that the Nets might be in a position to keep going a little more, a little more, because that's a power position that they are in. Having the power in trade negotiations seems like such a massive like chip, right? And and every, you can break down trade dynamics and half of the trade deadline is which team is going to take advantage of the other team. That was a concern in Sacramento for a long time until Monty McNair became general manager. And, and Monty as general manager has shown a, a willingness to be patient. He's shown a willingness to make a big move, but not make a move for the sake of making a move. So maybe... As much as we're discussing this, maybe it doesn't really fit McNair's style to make a move like this. At the same time, though, if you really want to get to where the Kings are trying to get to, this might be the most available route to you. So power, I think, is such an important thing to discuss in this trade. What power do you think Sacramento has in this negotiation, or are all the cards in the hands of Brooklyn? Yeah, I think some of the other players that we didn't touch on inside of this package, right, when we were going back and forth, there, there's power in saying we have a Harrison Barnes that, that we can offer to you. And then the Nets are assessing, is he worth 
draft capital X on another team, right? Third teams getting involved here. And for the, the sake of this type of discussion, you never want to start adding third and fourth mm -hmm. teams because it gets so far afield. But there is a world where the Kings can say, and Herter as well, right? Like what is Herter's draft value? He has three years left on his deal. It's not a bad number. He's having a little bit of a down season statistically, but, but the Nets can look at him and say under control, 25 years old, valuable piece going forward. So the Kings can look at this and say two things. One, we feel comfortable. We don't have to make this trade for Mikhail. And two, we have a lot of pieces with a lot of salaries that have value around the league. And I, some of it may be, I wonder if the Kings say, if not Mikhail, we could go for after someone else. I mentioned at the top, the Nets were in the discussions maybe for DeJounte Murray. Now he doesn't necessarily fit. You know, this isn't a one-to-one. The Kings say, well, DeJounte Murray's available, and they're only talking two first-round picks, and mm. maybe we give them Herder back, right? So mm. there is a world where, where the Kings can create a scenario that says, yes, we want Mikhail Bridges, but we do have a breaking point. And I think it, it still comes back to the Nets and saying, can we convert some of this capital into more for our side where it doesn't become a breaking point around Murray, Kings on, on the Kings, Keegan Murray, or around the fourth first round pick, right? Can we generate more capital for ourselves and sell ourselves and our fan base on having this chest, this war chest of draft capital to go get the superstar, to go mm -hmm. make the big trade, right? I, I know that I gave you instances where the Kings can, can regain power. I don't think they, they can do a ton of that, but they do at least have players that are interesting, right? There are players on their roster that other teams would value far more than Brooklyn, but at least increase the value of a trade offer. That's what makes this situation so tricky, too, is because the Kings have made it known that that Herter, Barnes, and Davion Mitchell, like those are the three players that are available. And to try and turn the three of those into a better player from, from teams who are either selling a better player because they're trending in the wrong direction, those three aren't very enticing to me, or to go to a, a good team and say, here are these three assets, give us the better player, a good team might just laugh you off the phone. It's a really weird position for Sacramento to be in, but they're going to try and, I guess... They might be forced to attach the draft capital like we're talking about in order to get a team to consider taking one, two, or all three of those guys. And that's the biggest problem, I think, from, from a King's perspective. It's that you're acknowledging we don't like a lot of the guys on our team, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you start mm -hmm. to say these guys aren't valuable, like we have a window here. We believe we can be high level competitive, but we've got three guys, two of which are pretty big contributors for the roster that we don't think are good enough but they might be good for you right now. Now money always matters, matching contracts, et cetera, but that's hard. And uh, you know, Barnes maybe at 31 years old and his, his number on the cap. I think that's a little tricky. There's a mm -hmm. world where you're attaching something to dump that as opposed to looking at him as a value. So that that's the weird part for the Kings to me too, is they don't even really have beyond Murray. If you're keeping them off the table, where's the young guys, right? Where yep. are the young players that other teams look at? For instance, Brooklyn, if they wanted to make a trade, I'm not saying they should put Cam Thomas in the conversation, but I think a lot of teams around the league would say, oh, Cam Thomas, 20 plus mm -hmm. point score automatically here, right? A guy that is maybe being buried by Brooklyn for unfounded reasons. There's a value there. Nicholas Claxton expiring, but 24, 25 years old, still has his prime ahead of him, elite versatile defender. The Nets actually have quality pieces on their roster. It's just that they don't seem willing in this moment to go make that big move that costs those things exactly what the Kings are considering. Well, I'm very much looking forward, Adam, to reading the comment sections for both oh. of our shows around this conversation. Because typically, if you put out a trade and both sides hate it, typically that means it's a it's a pretty 
possible or probable trade, or at least it's a good trade in some to some extent. If both sides like it, maybe it's never going to happen. If one side likes it and one side doesn't, then I guess it's it's 50-50 up in the air. But I know there's going to be discussion around this. But the word that I'm kind of looking for here is is satisfaction, satisfied. How satisfied would both sides be with with how satisfied would the Kings be getting bridges for the risk that they're taking? I think the satisfaction would be for the most part, pretty overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. on the Kings perspective. If this deal were to actually take place from the Nets perspective, satisfaction of three first rounders minimum. I think we've established right. from Sacramento, <laughs> but sending bridges away in that kind of deal. Where do you think the satisfaction is if we're projecting our comment sections right now? Yeah. So th- there's a section of the Nets fan base that really wants the Nets to get Murray and then maybe to add another piece and to, to create a core that's very attractive for a superstar next off season. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a faction that's going to say, Adam, why did you even entertain this idea? But the other part of it is if you're losing a lot of basketball and you don't have control of your own picks, you got to make the prudent moves when they become available. So for me, I would like to think there'll be a segment that says, if this is where the Nets are, if they are ready to make these type of trade aways, then this is at least the baseline of a very strong package. And you have to go to the table thinking three, maybe more draft picks, young players, tradable assets, all that good stuff. It's not a, it's not an exciting landscape, but it's one that I think the Nets and the fan base at least needs to be considering approaching the deadline and moving in the next one or two seasons going forward. Likely though, Matt, I don't think that this is going to be the trade that goes down. I mean, do you think the Kings really, really come to the table with this one for Mikhail? I think the Sacramento Kings do absolutely pick up the phone and and, and have a conversation, but you and I are, are in the same kind of boat. Like, I think this is a fun conversation to have in a podcast world. I think it's a legitimate conversation enough to where there there's, there's interest enough on both sides for a conversation to be had. But if, if I don't know how we get to that final agreement, I just don't know if, if it's that one more draft pick asked for, uh, for for the Nets or Keegan Murray ask for the Nets how the Sacramento Kings could say no but here's a little bit more like there I just don't know what that little bit more is from the Sacramento Kings so this is a lot this conversation is a lot of wishful thinking from the Kings perspective I think because Bridges makes so much sense for a target for the Sacramento Kings but you have to 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 get something you have to give up something right to get to Montes Sabonis you had to give up Tyrese Halliburton right Tyrese Halliburton right. is not available right now for and what I mean by that is that Tyrese Halliburton type player that with a tremendous upside Keegan Murray is not available this time around so how are you going to get I I think it's safe to say or it's fair to say in this scenario I think Demonis Sabonis is a bigger piece than Bridges is so maybe the Kings can try and justify in their mind we're not getting as better as good of a player as Mm. Sabonis so we don't have to put that much on the table in the case of Bridges and trying to convince the Nets to take those future assets for him and, and essentially lose now in that deal. I do think you have to sweeten the pot a little bit more than the Kings will be willing to or able to at this point. And my last note, just from a Brooklyn organizational perspective, if you are going to convince them, any team around the league, that trading Mikhail Bridges is remotely on the table, which at this moment it is not, mm-hmm. you have to come with a big package. You have to come with the sacrifices, the Keegan Murray's of the world. If you really want Sean Marks to say, Hey, this ended up being an offer. We could not turn away. Like that's where this, this organization is. You have to go to, we could not refuse this offer type level in order to get Mikhail out the door. And I I find it unlikely, but I think it's worth discussing. Every team, including the Kings should be having these conversations about what does this package look like for a player like Mikhail Bridges? 
let's make the call. And the worst case scenario is the phone doesn't get picked up. Mm. Yeah. My gut feeling is this conversation really doesn't go anywhere because three firsts isn't enough ultimately. And three firsts might be the max that the Kings are willing to move on from. Yep. And I think some Kings fans are going to hear this conversation and go, how is three firsts not enough? But that's the reality of, of trades in today's NBA. Three first round picks is not the haul that it used to be. So well, can, uh, I, can I add into, I know we're going to run sure. a little bit long here, no, but, but Doug right. actually brought this up on our podcast the other day. He also, there's, there's something really important about this. When we talked about how valuable those later picks could be from the Kings, but he said, like, you know, we need to start defining first round picks differently. Lottery first round pick means one thing in terms mm. of the value. Everything mm. mid round and back, you know, that's kind of a second round pick. You know, you back. It's like there, there are different values placed on this. So when you throw out for Nets fan base, Kings fan base, when you hear three first round, four first round picks, remember where those exist mm -hmm. because you know not all first round picks are created equal, and that has to be in the equation as well. Even if I think those picks could be valuable from the Kings. They still could be mid to late round firsts. Those are mm -hmm. dart throws at best that sometimes don't even hit the board. Yeah. I, I, I So my perspective or my approach to that, Adam, and it might be too much of a blanket statement that, that might piss some prospects off and piss some people off. But the way I've always looked at it is lottery to me is your potential to land a starter or at the very, like mm -hmm. and, and maybe a, like a really, really high end rotation player outside of the lottery. I would say picks like, 16 to 21 or 22 is like that rotation player area. You're hoping to land just a good rotation player for that has a solid average career in the league, kind of around that. Anything beyond that, you're looking for a diamond in the rough. You're looking to get lucky type thing. You're looking for that Nikola Jokic or or Isaiah Thomas with the last pick of the draft. You're looking for something like to 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 go really, really right for you at that point in time. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. When we discuss first round picks. The perspective is not, hey, these are three guaranteed lottery picks. <laughs> right, right. Because if, if the Kings might think that way or Kings fans might think, oh my God, we're giving away three lottery picks for for um, Michael or Mikhail Bridges. No way. But in reality, like maybe they do convert and end up being three lottery picks. They also could be, if the Kings do everything right, they could be 18, 20, and and, and 21. <laughs> and then yeah. in the end, we don't really care that much. So yeah, that's a big aspect too. Yeah, so it just makes it it does make it fascinating to me. We'll see we'll see where it goes. And I think honestly, watching a team like the Kings and other Western Conference teams, by the way, hey, uh Dorian Finney Smith is available. Royce O'Neill is available. Guys, I mean, come knock on the door. We may have an we may have a different podcast where you put together your package for Lonnie Walker from the mm. Brooklyn Nets, because those are actually some of the players and pieces that could make a lot of sense to help build up that roster around your current core without sacrificing any young talent and maybe different type of draft capital pieces. So I think I just piqued both Matt and the fan base's interest. Well, you you did, because at this point in time, as much as I love this Bridges idea and that big, big swing, I think it's more likely if the Kings are going to make a move, it's going to be to shore up the edges. So it wouldn't shock me at all if a, if a Nets-Kings conversation starts with, hey, Bridges, no. Okay, what about... Uh, <laughs> now, you have Royce. some other veterans on your roster. Are you attached to them? Oddly enough, we have some guys available, of course. Of course, and that's why the Nets are... We're, we're not selling anything. But we also have some things we wouldn't mind moving off of. So I think the Kings and Nets could be good trade partners in other ways. But if, yeah. if let's put it this way, if the trade deadline passes or, or in between now and the actual trade deadline and a bridges trade drops, 
I think it would be, I mean, we can revisit this conversation and have a completely new one about what that looks like. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but it's a long shot. Certainly that the Sacramento Kings will have to warm the nets up to a little bit, but Adam, thanks for having this conversation. I think it's a lot of fun. It's one of the best parts about this locked on podcast network. Now let's see what our people think about it. Let's see what the negotiations look like in our comment section. Cause I have a feeling there might be uh might be some nets and Kings fans that are taking the GM hats from us and making this deal happen. So we'll see what they come up with. Always a good time, Matt.